0: You know, you, um, you, as you walk with God, now if you're new, um, you may not understand everything I'm going to say tonight, t- today rather, and um, although this is for you, it's not for you. Eventually, you should understand this, but you know what, you're new, and we don't want to, I want you to just uh, listen, and then hope prayerfully God will begin to open your heart to something that I'm going to talk about. here we come in Christ and we go through troubles and tribulation, whatever we go through, and then you always hear this, and I know I heard it, Well, you have to trust God. Have right? you ever heard that? Just trust God. And when you're going through it, you feel like slapping them. You know what I mean? like, just trust God. Come on. That, that, it can't be that simple. And although it is, some, you, that's not what you want to hear, you know? And then you, But you learn as you go along and you go, okay, I have to learn to trust God. What does that mean? How do I trust God? And then, And eventually you get it. You you, you understand that, you know, I have to trust God. And since God is faithful and he's God, it's easy to trust him. As you walk along, you you often begin to understand that. You know what? I can trust him because God will never let you down. He he just doesn't do it. He'll always make a way. He always comes through. So so when I say, you got to trust God or can you trust him? Yes, yes. And eventually, yeah, we trust God. Correct? Well, We know that God's gifts are generous. He's always constant. And he's trustworthy. But my question, what I want to explore today is this. Can God trust you? Can God trust you? See, you can lie to people. You can lie to the pastor. But you cannot lie to God. You can't. And so this experiment of our Christian walk, this journey, what we're, we're going through, it's really a series of, okay, how are you going to act during this very short period of life? And can God trust you? Now, if you were God, and thankfully you're not, but if you were, could you trust you? I mean, you had all power. Could you trust you not to kill somebody, take somebody out? Teach them a lesson. You know, they, especially when they did you wrong. Oh yeah, I'm God. You did me wrong. What? You did me wrong? Right? And if you were God, think about it. So, you know, the question for Moses, heck no. Now think about that. If if your neighbor was, would, would you want your neighbor to be God? Because you're all, heck no, Jack, my, my neighbor's crooked. I'm talking about I'm talking about your neighbor, we're talking to your neighbor right now. Right? Heck no. So, so we have to understand and, and that's the question and that's what we're trying to develop that's what you have to learn as you walk with Jesus can God trust you? Huh? see as your child grows into a teenager the biggest issue you deal with is the issue of trust now anybody have teenagers? Oh, yeah. yeah you know and, and prayerfully like my teenagers somehow they made it through their teenage years alive and they had to always develop I had to always work on their trust you have to. You know, some of my kids, are, Dad, can I borrow my, your car? Yeah, right. You, that's a good one. You're like, man, you're the best comedian. <laughs> you should be on Saturday Night Live asking me, can I borrow my car? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, right. But eventually, he said, okay. You're saying, you're okay, I got I to gotta trust this kid. All right, here. Take the keys and go to the store, get the milk, but be back. And see... If the child, the teenager, is why they go to the store, get the milk, and they come right back. They don't go to the store and take the left turn instead of taking the right turn, go around the block, by the park, say hi to their friends, and then come back. Because if they do that, because we got a time, we know exactly how long it takes you to get from King Supers to home. And if you don't do it, look, I, I let, let you the keys, and I can't, see, that's why I can't trust you. You can't even go to the store. So we have to build trust, right? And and, and as I do a little more, oh, you went to the store, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Eventually, maybe when they're getting ready to graduate, mom, dad, can I use your car for the prom? I get the prom. (laughs) You you better buy a cab. (laughs) Right? But if they're trustworthy, you say, okay, here's the keys. No drinking and driving. Huh? No, I know she's pretty. But you better just leave, keep your hands off her, Jack. Don't be doing nothing in my car. <laughs> well, I have DNA kits. Okay. Okay, you go. And they do it, well, yeah, I trust them. So you're always building trust. Right, right, parents? Right. It's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. And half the time, teenagers are not trustworthy. Well, see, Christians are like that with God. Oh, I got real quiet here. Yeah. The teenagers are all, thank you, Pastor. Yeah, now I'm picking on the adults. See, that, that's how we are with God. God gives you his, his mysteries, gives you all kinds of stuff, and he hands to you. He's giving you the key to his car, and you just, you're taking it for a joyride. Hmm? See, every time you do right, teenager and Christian, your parent will give you more, and God gives you more. Every time you do it wrong, oh, parents pull back. God says, whoa, pull back. It's so a very, very similar upbringing, right? If we were to go uh, we're, were God, again, how would we feel about us as, as looking at our walk? You're probably saying, how in the heck am I still alive and God hasn't killed me? Amen? Amen. Hmm? See, so the gospel describes one of the most difficult parables to understand in all the Bible here with this manager. It, it's, it's amazing. Luke 16, dealing with this manager, the whole chapter is Connected to Luke 15. So you really can't understand 16 without understanding Luke 15. It was the Bible, this book was written by a medical doctor, and a man by the name of Theopolis actually hired Luke Luke, gave him some money, and said, Look, they're talking about this Jesus who was born of a virgin, and you know, his Theophilus, yeah, born of a virgin. Give me a break. But he was a lover of God. His name actually means lover of God, Theophilus. And he, he wanted to find out if these people were lying. So he finds a medical doctor by the name of Luke and said, you need to investigate this because I want to find out what these guys are talking about. Well, Luke, being a doctor, was a very smart man. He knew how to do action research. And he was researching who Jesus was. So he was going through the whole process. He proved the virgin birth. He looked down the family line. I mean, he was studying. He was like getting a Ph.D., if you will, on this, this book. Because so he, he wanted to make sure it was right. So he wasn't just your normal guy. He was a medical doctor investigating who Jesus was. This is, so he's writing this book. And he writes Luke 15, and, and he sets it up because he's talking about a person's or our attitude about people, how we look at people. And how we trust people, whether we trust them or whether we don't trust them. And a very famous portion of scripture in Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal son. And and for the sake of time, we won't go there. But that sets up what Luke is going to talk about now. He goes from the prodigal son who had left his family and went and lived with the pigs and sinned and spent everything he had. How much? He spent it all. The Bible said that he had an inheritance from his dad. And his dad gave it to him. And he wasted it. He wasted it. Sounds like this generation. It says that he wasted his dad's fortune on women, song, and dance. Wasted it. Until finally, when he came to his senses, he was eating slop, pig food. He was with the pigs eating their food. When he finally came to his senses, he goes, I need to go back to my dad. Representing us going back to God. So that's the story. How he wasted everything. Then we come into this manager, who God had, or the owner rather, had given him everything to manage. And we pick up the story here. See, Luke 16 deals with our wrong attitudes about wealth. Luke 16 talks about our possessions, what we have and how we're going to deal with what God has given to us. Not just money, everything you have. Everything you have. I, I, I look at people and I, I've had many people come, Pastor, they're all happy. They're happy. Pastor, what? God bless me. God blessed you? Yeah, he blessed me. What did he bless you with? He blessed me with this new car. Yeah, it's God's car. He blessed you with that? Yeah, he blessed you. Oh, good. Because we need to use that to move people around. Oh, wait wait wait, wait. No, no, it's new. I, you know, it still had that new car smell. I don't want to get dirty. I don't want... No, no, no. Oh, I thought God blessed you with it. You blessed you with it. So that's okay. Because we can do that. We can bless ourselves with it. And most people try to cover their own wants with saying God did it. We know if God does it, it's how tight you hold on to it. See, if I... i said I use this as an example... Because it's hard to tell whether it's God's blessing or not because you'll never know. I, if I'm a, a non-believer and I'm driving a Lexus, it feels good, right? But that's not God's blessing. Why can't I'm a non-believer? Like, I'll be like Donald Trump, rich, rich man. He's got no God in him. All that's his. But if I love God and I'm faithful to God, I can have the same car, Lexus, and my Lexus will look like his Lexus, but mine will be God's blessing in his won't. But they look the same. That's the difficulty of trying to figure out if it's God's or not. It's how you handle what you have. What you have, is it being used for God? Or he's like cruising, diamond in the back, sunroof top, digging the scene with the gangster lean woo Right? Come on now. Yeah. Or is it gods? sinners in the back, thrown up on my seat. Picking them up, taking to Jesus' feet. Woo, what are you doing with your ride, homeboy? Whose who's is it? Hey, and that's up to you. You get to choose. God is not gonna force you. It See, it's an attitude. There's, there's certain things about Bible and money and Bible and wealth. Very interesting thing. Jesus talked about money in 16 out of 38 parables. There's 38 parables in the Bible. Six of them de- dealt with money or your wealth. Right, Jesus talked about money in one out of ten verses in the gospel. One out of ten. The Bible. Now we understand this prayer. How many know prayer is important? And we say this: you cannot move the hand of God without prayer. Don't we say that? And we believe it because it's true. Prayer is vital. You're going through a trial. You're hurting. Pray, brother. Okay. Oh, pastor. You know my relationship. You need to pray, sister. Okay. Oh, oh, I'll pray. And we say pray. And we talk pray. And we say yes, pray. 500 verses about prayer in the Bible. 500. Huh? And then we talk about faith. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Some of you say, my wife is a mountain mover. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's Valentine's Day. I'm just kidding. we say faith. I can have faith, right? And we talk about faith, and faith is great, right? Faith, we, we, we preach it, and we believe it, right? Less than 500 verses talk about faith. And we talk about that. But check, check us out. Over 2,000 verses are about money and your wealth. But when we talk about money and wealth, hey, don't, don't be talking about my money and my wealth. See, 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 I knew it, I knew it, knew, I knew it, especially you visitors, see, 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 you knew it, you knew it, you knew it, all we want is your money. No, I don't, I don't want just your money. I want all of you. I want your money, your kids, I want your house, I want everything. Why? Because I want to turn it over to God so he can do something in your life. That's it. I want want you to commit your life to God. To present yourself a living sacrifice. I want it all. Why? Because the Bible talks about it. Over four times more than um, um, prayer and faith. It talks about how you handle what you have. Why? Because that will determine who and what you'll become. More than anything else. Because I know if you love God. you know If I say, if I took a poll, who loves God? Everybody, I do. Yeah, me too. I love God. Right? And I look at you like, oh, great. Let me see your checkbook. I love, huh? What are you talking about? Let me see your checkbook. Because I'll tell if you love God. It's like this, ladies. If a man, you're single, maybe before, when a man comes up to you. I, oh, my love, come with me to the caspar, right? And, she, and he's like, why aren't dining you? And if they don't take you out to dinner or buy you a gift or get you anything, and you, you look at their checkbook and all you see is Budweiser, you know, the, the sneaky tiki, uh, the, the hat store, but your name is not in, uh, connected to any of them, do you think that guy loves you? Yeah, that's a fake and a fraud and a full-time broad, right? You're, shoot. Well, if that's the case with just relationship, how much more God? See, so when you begin to measure your wealth, what are you using towards God? Because if you love Him, because if you don't do that, you don't love Him. No, you're 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 like the rest. You're, you're just here. You're just you're just like most Christians, unfortunately. You're just afraid to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Right. You're afraid to go to hell, so you come to church and play the church. Raise my hand. Oh, I got that. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Oh, I can know that. I I, I can speak Christianese. Hallelujah. Right? We get all, we get all, like in the Christian dialogue and everything. And when when the bath goes by, here's the offering. You look at the, you look at it, lying devil, and it goes right by you. It's the devil. Huh? See, you have to look at the accountability of the foolish steward, right? That's the story. This rich man who was a manager accused of wasting his possession, and that's what God is talking about, your possession. See, when the owner came back, the unwise manager of the possessions was brought into accountability. He began to look, at what are you doing with what you have? This parable was to his disciples. It wasn't to the Pharisees right? It wasn't to the world. It was to his inner core. Jesus was talking to his inner core. Come here, you guys. I'm going to show you something. And he's dealing with them. Now, how do you think they felt? Hmm? The parable was written for those who knew Jesus. Not for those who didn't know Jesus. Not for those who were just like thinking about him. No, no. You're, those, if you're, you're not in, you don't have a Christian walk and you're just getting like, huh? Like, you shouldn't be given to Jesus because you don't even know what it is. You know, most of your money is going on pot if you're smoking dope or having a beer or whatever your trip is. That's where your money is going. And if you want to give your money there, that's on you. But eventually, after this message, you'll be held accountable to what you're doing with what you have. You will. And that's what God is going to look at. That's why he, do you remember Jesus said, hey, Jesus, we said, you're Lord, you're our master. We, we prophesied in your name, man. We went to victory in our age. And he says, I didn't know you. Who, who are you? Who are you, you worker of iniquity? I never knew you. Well, yeah, w- w- when I was hungry, you never fed me. When I was thirsty, you never gave me drink. When, when I, you didn't do anything. Well, who, who are you? I can imagine they're up in the roll calls. Hey, Peter, somebody here says they, they belong here. Yeah. You got their name over there? Nah, Jesus. That was one of those fakes and frauds and part-time frauds Pastor was talking about. Oh, okay. All all the the fakes over there, all the real ones go over here. So we're all going to be held into accountability. See, and as a pastor, I said, I don't want you to be held. I don't want you. I want you in the right line. Amen? 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 Yeah. See, there's two reasons why this manager was accountable to the owner. In the same way, there are two reasons, or several reasons, rather, why we must be accountable to God. Right? The reason why I'm, <clears throat> I'm accountable, this is the first reason why I know I have to be accountable to God. It's not even a question. Here's the reason number one. He's the owner, and I'm the manager. Let's put it this way. He's the owner, and I'm not. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Every gift comes from him. Everything that, he, that is in existence belongs to him. He just gives gifts to men free willy. He, he just gives it out and, see, and he looks and he's like, like I said earlier, it's like an experiment. He's, he allows people to do with the gifts what they want to do. Go ahead. Do it. I had a friend. I led him to the Lord. He later became a pastor. He was my boss. He hired me and, and um, I told him I got saved and I'm giving money to church. He, you don't have to get money. and He, did, he didn't, love, didn't like that. He had a speedboat and, and the name of the speedboat was Satan's Toy. So It tells you where he was coming from, right? So I go, okay, Larry, tell you what, because I was, I was saved, and I was tithing. God was moving in my life. I go, you know what? You don't want to give to the church? I understand that. Don't give to the church, because, oh, you know, the church, All oh, they, you know, have the same lies. The same lies been for 100 years. Oh, they want your money. I go, no, 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 no. No, you don't want to give the church? I understand, because I, I have that head trip, too. Do this. I want you to take 10% of your money, right, and I want to be with you. We're going to go to your living room, and he had a beautiful living room, right, Beautiful couches. I'm nice. I had money, right? Big, beautiful fireplace, a beautiful mantle. Like, I go, we'll go to your living room and we'll take 10% of your money and we'll burn it in your fireplace. All of it. That way, there's no head trips. No head trips. And I put that challenge to you. That way you have no head trips. Do that. Because if you're tripping like, oh, the church won't. No, no, no. I want you to be blessed because eventually you'll figure it out. Take 10% of your money and go burn it and offer it to God. Say, God, I don't trust Pastor Al. I don't know what he's up to, but here's my offering. 10%. 10%. And you watch what God does in your life because you'll be moving in faith. And that way you can get that, that lie out of your head and learn that giving of God is for your benefit. Giving to God, not for my our benefit. Huh? But burn it. So when I did that, I got him because now he couldn't use that. See, that little lie was an excuse not to give. So now you don't have an excuse. If you don't want to give the church, go burn it. Burn it. <laughs> Feel the burn. huh? So I'm accountable to God because what I have today are gifts of God. I own none of it. I'm accountable to the owner. huh? Second thing is he's the owner and he gives me everything. He's the owner and he gives me everything. Every, my, my wife, my children. I, when we got married, the doctor told us specifically and clearly that we were not going to have children. That my wife was incapable of having children. I, I got rebuked. I rebuke you. I go, don't you know? I'm a Chicano from the neighborhood. I said, no, no, there. I said you don't know these genes right here. Amen? No devil. I didn't see that. But I said this, no, God is going to give us children, and you're a liar, right? And we, have, we had our children immediately, boom, back to back, amen? Homeboy didn't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the gifts I have, he gave to me. Everything I have is a gift of the Lord, and he's the owner. That's why when my daughter says, gets married, wants to go to another, another state, another country, hey, she belongs to the Lord. I, I rather, Really, I would rather have my daughter here. My wife knows that we would rather, I would, no, you have to stay here. But she's not mine. And God has a call on her life. God has a call on all my children's life. So when God leaves, they got to go because they don't belong to me. I've just been given the opportunity to raise them. I'm a steward. I'm the manager. So, we must, find, we must all find our moment of clarity to understand that God is the owner and we're not. We're just the managers. This is all God's stuff. Amen? Amen. See, after we receive we received clarity, all of a sudden, then there's no more conflict. See, it's very difficult for you to give away your stuff. But if it's not your, if you can come to understand that this is not yours, it belongs to God, then it's easier to give it away because it's not yours in the first place. You understand? It's like this. If I said, I want you to give a $1,000. It's a clue. But here's the catch. You have to take a $1,000 from her and give it to me. That's a lot easier for her to do if she was willing, right? And she gave it to me. How easy is that? Right? Because it's not her that's easy to give, right? Well, it's the same thing. I want you to give it from what God gave you. If it's, not, if it's God's, guess how easy it is to give? But when it's not God's and you're struggling with that, you ain't taking my stuff, Jack. I work for it. Uh-uh. No. It's me, myself, and Irene. It's mine. And there's the battle. Because people have not settled the equation that the stuff belongs to God. They think, we think, that our stuff belongs to us. Hmm? See the owner, the third expectation we've got we to look at is that the owner has expectations of us. When the master the owner comes back, he wants to know what, he, what has been done with the position that the possessions rather he has given us. He's going to ask all of you, everything he's given you. And I mean everything. If you can sing, I don't care, sing. If you can play an instrument, do whatever your talent is, give. If you have not been using it for God, oh, you just been But, you know, I'm using it, but, but I'm not really using it for God because right now I'm getting some do me me to do what I'm doing. And, you know, if I do it for God, you know, the church, they, didn't, they didn't want me to volunteer. So I want some cashola. I don't want to volunteer. get volunteer. Well, Right? That's that's Whatever it is, that is a gift of God. If you don't use it, listen. If you don't use it, you're in danger because you will lose it. Let's move on. It'll be lost in the futility of the world. Lost. Oh, you might make money if that's your trip, but that'll never make you happy. Never. Nunca. Amen? Amen. So what did you what did you do is a question with what God gave you? Right? Matthew 25, 29 reads, For everyone who has will be given more. And he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. Hmm? So there are several expectations. Today we look at a few biblical areas of expectations. God's expectations of ourselves. So you come, he's looking at what you are, what you own, what you have. The first thing he looks at, he looks at you. What does God expect of you, of just you? Nothing, not your owning, just you. Romans 12, 1 reads like this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So the first expectation, he expects you to offer your entire life as a living sacrifice. Alive. Uh, you know, I don't want you to get holy. I'll die for God. We don't want you to die for God. We want you to live for God. Go to work. Maybe fulfill your calling. Become a pastor. Pay some tithes. Plan a church. Run a home. Work in the children's church. Do something for God. Because it sounds too good. I'll die for God. We don't want you to die for God. We want you to change diapers for God. Do something that's valuable. Amen? Dying's too easy. We want you to deal with our children. Settle immediately in your Christian walk. Again, that he's the owner. That's the most sensible way to serve God as a living sacrifice. And I said that scripture earlier. Not not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father. Only he or she who does the will. You know, they say, well, God's not like that. He won't send nobody to hell. No, he doesn't send anyone to hell. Everybody in hell is a volunteer. He sends nobody. He makes so many ways of escape, but we have to grab a hold of it and choose it. In fact, here's one of your routes right now. Here's your way of escape. Amen. Amen. So why does Jesus say such a thing? That sounds cold-blooded, huh? Man, Jesus, you're a cold dude. Huh? See, this tragedy, when people say, Lord, Lord, I believe this tragedy, when these people are not accepting the kingdom, is it directly related to the mismanagement of God's gifts? The good steward must give himself or herself to God, slaves of Jesus Christ, if you will. The second thing is God's expectation of your possessions, what you own. He has an exhortation for what I'm going to do with the things that He has given me to do in my life. What are you going to do with them? What are you going to do with it? I know people will turn away from the call of God for their career. All right? But when you come before God, he's not going to ask you for your resume. Oh, no. If you have a call of God and you make that choice, he's going to say, who were you again? We, we, we kind of knew somebody who had a call, but they chose something else. I think you're in the wrong line. So See, these, these decisions we make, you can't take lightly. Like, oh, no, no, no. Especially if you understand God has an expectation of you, of your possessions, of your time. I shared this the other day. Time. And you always hear, time is money, right? They're, time is money. No, no. Time is not money. Time is way more valuable than money. Time. Oh, my goodness. Time? Are you kidding me? Time is so valuable. If you had a house and it burnt down yesterday, right? You can go to work buy some lumber, right, and rebuild your house, right? And you would. You, oh, I gotta, I'm not going to live in the park. I gotta, and you can rebuild your house. It might cost you money, right? But you can rebuild it. If I wreck my, my car, I'd be all bum kicked. But guess what? I can, I can go get another car because I, I can rebuild that. I can get another car. I got insurance. I'm legal. I ain't, you know, some of you ain't got insurance. I'm sorry. I know how you guys roll. Some of you ain't even got a license. I'm cool. I'm a good driver. Just don't catch me. Amen. Well, that's a different message. Huh? But see, you can rebuild it. I don't care what it is. You lost your jewelry, you can go buy new jewelry. Right? But time. Time's a trip. Because once you use it, you can never reclaim it. I don't care if you have a million dollars, you can never buy back 10 minutes. Can't. It's it's irreplaceable. It's so valuable, you can never nothing you can do. Ladies, I don't care how many facelift you have. You keep having facelift, your eyebrows will be touching your forehead up here. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You can eventually time does something to everything we're going to age we're going to age we're going to age time you can never go back right Right. God has a very strict expectation of how you use your time oh you want time yeah I need time ministry is so hard I need time for me me okay when you go to God it's God but you know I wanted to serve you but I needed time for me you will have a lot of time for you Separation from God, when we don't do it will, is an eternity. An eternity you'll be all by yourself, just you and little old you. Or you're going to use your time wisely. You're accountable to that. The Bible says, "The, the, the night cometh when no man can work." Use your time wisely. Verse uh, 15 of, of Ephesians 5 reads, "Be very careful then how you live." Not as unwise, but as wise, Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. See, time spent wisely will affect positive change. And God demands positive change. We're, see, God loves you, right? How many say God loves you? And he loves you right where you're at. If you're all messed up, you know how we say, beat to the feet, wreck to the neck. Tore up from the floor up, I don't care how bad you is, right? God will come right where you're at, and He'll snatch you and he'll love you. right? But if you stay where you're at, God will move on. He is not going to stay with you. He will come to the pig pen, but he's not going to pick up residence. He goes, "Come on, get up, change. Get up, be better. You, you stole, steal no more. You lie. Lie no more. Repent. For the kingdom of God is near. Boom. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Yeah, but God, you know how it was. I shut up. Be holy, I said. Don't be like you used to be. Wanna get mad? Be holy. How are you well, I don't know how. Then you need to more, spend more time becoming like this than time lying. So you're accountable for your time. Time, time, time. Right? The Rolling Stones got it ride. Mick Jagger. Time. Uh oh it is on your side if you use it wisely if you don't well mm, mm, mm. Mm. Matthew twelve thirty six reads like this but I say to you that for every idle word men speak they will give an account of it in the day of judgment time not well spent will be judged where are you spending your time at? I ain't got no time, Pastor. I got, I'm so busy in my schedule. My schedule? I just I just uh, you know I understand that I'm as busy as I come. And and I'm sure if you go, God, I don't know how to handle my schedule, I'm struggling. I, I I'm, I'm it's, it's being a pair, a, pain, a pain on me. I don't know what to do. Well, you plead with them and you seek them and you'll find that God will give you the time you need. If you're trying to use Time is an excuse not to do. That is what I'm talking about. Hello? God also expects, has an expectation on our gifts. The owner has an expectation that we are going to do something with the gifts he's given us. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. 1 Peter four ten reads, serve brother. Your gift, you have a duty to serve others, not just you. Serve others. Mm. That's the beauty of a church. Because it's hard to find people who, who you want to serve who, who won't take advantage of. You You know that? Because you go out there like, oh, I just want to serve people. That's why sometimes the Christians are the dumbest people. They are. They're, Christians are like, what, what happened? You got saved. How come you got stupid all of a sudden? It doesn't mean saved. doesn't mean get stupid. It's like when you're when you, you, you ever drive, we're driving, you see those guys hungry, right? You know, and they're, they're sitting on the corner. And I go, and I look at the other guy, the guy there, and my my grandbaby goes, his face looks like he's playing an actor or somebody. Remember that guy? I go, hungry. I'm looking at this dude, you know, right there. That guy needed to go on a diet. He wasn't hungry. I go, that's a healthy homeless guy right there. Boy, that guy like he was a mmm beefy. I mean, he he must be really hungry. I go, that guy's really hungry. I go, don't give that fool anything. Huh? He's hungry. He needs to go to work. Time, I go, you know, I don't get this because I can't find a job. I'm, I'm kind of crazy. I, I went to jobs when I was first starting, and I went to my first job. I go, look, I need a job. Yeah, but we're not hiring. No, check this out. I know, but you're going to hire eventually one day, right? Go, yeah, we are. Okay, I'll work for free until you hire me. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll, work, I'll work just hire me. And, and, and when you're ready, I'm ready. No, these guys would rather stand up with a sign instead of trying to, work, wasting their time. Huh? What are you doing with it? What are you doing with what you're doing? People waste time trying to get away with things. And you've got to hold you accountable to your giftedness. Hmm? To your gifts. See, we have to be, we have to do what God has called. It's like we're, we're in business for the Lord. And we have to be good businessmen. Unfortunately, many Christians are bad Businessmen, yeah. This guy Norman had made an application. I'm coming for a landing. I'm almost done. Yeah. Made an application for a position, and he was being interviewed by the personnel manager. Got a new job when he was told that the company had group insurance for their employees, but each employee paid for his own coverage, and that it was deducted from their first paycheck of each month. Norman looked very disappointed he goes, man, and the guy k- kind of figured out, like, this guy doesn't look happy. And he asked him, well, well you know, what's, Norman, um, what's wrong? Norman said, well, at my old job, the company paid for everything. They paid for our life insurance, our dental insurance, our health insurance, three weeks paid vacation, a Christmas bonus, and a recreational program, and unlimited sick leave. So that manager who was going to hire him and goes, wow. I couldn't imagine leaving such a generous job. Why would you leave that employer? The personal manager asked him. Then Norman got real quiet for a little bit, and he realized what he had said. Then he kind of sheepishly said, um, they went bankrupt. And that's how Christians are. They want to spend all this stuff, all this stuff, all this stuff. Do waste their time, waste their time, waste their time, waste, and expect that their Christianity is going to be profitable. If you do that, you're going to go bankrupt. You'll have nothing. You're going to, you know, and I see Christians walking around like defeated all the time. How can you be defeated? Jesus is Lord. He saved you. He filled Why are you all bum kick? on just, just, just. Why? They're bankrupt. Why? Because they haven't been spending time like they should. They haven't been doing what God has called them to do. No, they're, they're busy, caught up in other things, not maximizing who they are in Christ. And so now they're bankrupt. Pastor, help me. Pray for me. And I'll pray for you. But there's only 500 scriptures on prayer, there's 2,000 on money. I'm trying to keep you from being bankrupt right now. Because you're going to hit it. You know, if you're first saved, you're out there. You know, everything is beautiful. I know when I was first saved, woo, man, when I first got saved. Everything was beautiful. Everything is beautiful. And I was a vato from the neighborhood, right? Yeah, wow, check this out. I started seeing colors. I remember I was saving. Right? I see this butterfly flying by, tripping out. I go, wow, how beautiful. I get beautiful. How beautiful. Then I caught myself. How beautiful. What's wrong with me? But everything had color. Man, I was like I was on the honeymoon, you know, like, wow, God, is good. And I'm alive. And, then, and now I'm trying to hug people, and I never hug people. And I go, wow, what's happening? Everything had life again, right? But then that leaves. All of a sudden, you get down to, wow, the butterfly is beautiful. But I still want to sock that guy right now. <laughs> what happened? I was bankrupt. So I had to begin to learn to use my time. For those down seasons, when I, when I felt like that, I would, I would be stronger. Why? Because I used my time wise. I begin to study. I begin to pray. I begin to do for people. That's the best medicine. Doing for people makes you stronger. Because as you do for people, God is obligated to help you. Right? What I tell you, God will only work in you as he works through you. If he doesn't work through you, he will never work in you. So as he works through you, I got better. I go, wow, the more people I helped, the better I got. The more I helped, the smarter I got. The more I helped, the stronger I got. Oh, I got this. I figured this out. I just got to help people. Oh, I can do that. I I, I clicked into it because it worked. Hmm? So he expects you. That's that's the expectation that God has on you for his gospel. Because there's good news. It's good news to be a Christian when you're following God right. There's good news. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you more than you can imagine. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of those of man, the things that God has in store for those who are called according to his purpose. We can't even imagine. No, but what, what, what keeps them from us? We're not good managers we're not good managers and God said, man I wanted to give you so much but I can't trust you so it's not about can, can we trust God can God trust you that's the issue he wants to give you more and bless you more but can he trust you or are you going to sneak around do your own thing he wants to bless you or are you going to keep coming in and out of the home for the next 10 years what are you going to do he wants to bless you. God has an expectation for your life. And whenever every head bowed, and every eye closed. Hallelujah. There's four things you can learn very briefly from this story. As every head bowed, First, use your opportunities wisely. You got to use them wisely. Don't, don't waste. Time is short. Man, I'm, I'm 55 now. And I, I felt like I was just 35 10 minutes ago. I don't know what happened. Second thing, God wants to trust you. it got to be earned. You have to begin to be faithful in the little stuff. The little things, like I, I put out a challenge earlier about tithing on the phone. How many are going to take it to heart? Or I'm going to go home and say, "Hey, um, Vanessa, how many people tithe on through the text for the, for flyer. flyers?" Well, nobody, Pastor. Like, okay. These are opportunities for you. These are these are chances you have to earn trust. Not for me. Uh, Third thing, trust can be measured. God will measure what you do. He's always looking at what you do. He wants to see it. And remember, you can't pull the wool over God's eyes. And lastly, be wholly holy devoted to God. God wants you completely devoted to him. pray this afternoon we walk with a new insight concerning this story and being a manager and handling our life, our life's journey our life's work our family our children that we learn to to do the right thing believe me you all have opportunity and here's the good news, if you've been failing God is faithful and just forgive you he didn't have me come here to try to make you feel guilty because that's not my intent because I understand the battle life life just keeps hitting you keeps hitting keeps hitting and here comes this preacher interrupting saying this this will help you sometimes it just doesn't make sense no God doesn't make sense a lot of times but he's faithful you can trust him that's what I'm, I'm banking on. That you'll learn to trust Him. Because once you learn to trust Him, you will become trustworthy. God will be able to trust you. If you need prayer in that area, which I know many of you do, how do I know? Because most people in this church don't tithe, they come, but they don't tithe. I have like these shoes. I know that. Our bookkeepers know it more than more than me. And these are the same people who say, God, I need help, I need this, I need this. And He wants to give it to you. But this, this is the crux of your issue, of learning to trust God. You want to take that first step of trust as we sing this song. I'm even speaking to the worship team, they need to make this altar call. Everybody. Sound people. Everyone in this room is very important. This this is the most important part of your Christian walk you will ever learn right here. This is it. There's nothing more important than this. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, I want you to come forward.